Well, we are going to have a little bit of a him and I tonight, just kind of see. I'm going to ask Eugene some questions, and we have no idea what we're going to talk about because we didn't prepare at all. So this is more spontaneous. We've been preparing for about seven years now. Okay, yeah, that's true. (laughs) We have. We've known each other since CDL4. Yes, since CDL4. I hate to tell you this, Eugene, but it's a little bit longer than that because CDL4 was 2010. Oh, yeah. So it's been like 11 years. Yeah, really. Well, that's good. It means it means <laughs> we're still friends. If I'm thinking four years, it feels like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. So this is one of the things about Dharma that I think is really important, even before to where he's going to ask me a question to talk about it, is uh, I think friendship is really a beautiful part of practice. It is. And it really lets, like us, we can... We can uh, work together really well, and we can play together really well. And that's, I so appreciate that about our friendship. Yeah, that's it. That's what it is. So that's how we stayed. You need it, you know, (laughs) as Kalyanamitas. We need to be able to be with someone in the Dhamma that can share with us honestly and be with us and 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 still be friends and just stay yeah, together connected especially if we're friends with you we have to be able to be a little bit joyful <laughs> yes you have to be a little bit joyful <laughs> so i do have a question though because you would i i i've been thinking about this you know, we're online, and so basically we're all at home. But, but, in, in, but tomorrow is going to be a transition. Yeah. There's going to be a transition, and we're going to feel it, even though we're basically in the same place we're in right now. So I just wondered what, you know, you've done a lot of retreats online, and then you're offline, and then... So what is this wait, transition? Wait, 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 we want to be accurate. I have not done a lot of retreats online. I've done a number of retreats. But okay, a number. Yeah, but, a, but not a lot, really. I mean, it feels I'm still learning how to do retreats online compared to in person. Right? Yeah. Where I've done a zillion in person. Yeah. And this is, yeah. So what is that? What is this? I guess that's my question is what... What is this transition like? You know, maybe how is it different from when you're in person? What is it like? Yeah. And then what kind of, um, what support could, I guess, someone do? Whatever yeah. comes up yeah. for you around that. Sure. So um, a few things. One is, um, It's very different than retreats where you go to the retreat and you go to Spirit Rock and we're all at Spirit Rock together and you know we have a very profound experience and then we leave. So whatever experience you've had, and actually you don't always have a profound experience at Spirit Rock. It could be profound or it could be dukkha or it could be whatever it is. But it's it's you know it's powerful either way and um um here it's really different because um 
because we're, we haven't been at Spirit Rock, probably nobody's been cooking for you or cleaning after you or, you know, making sure you didn't have to do the sheets tomorrow because probably tomorrow you should do the sheets and stuff. So, um, but you, on the other hand, you're not leaving the retreat at Spirit Rock. The retreat's right where you are. And it doesn't have to stop. And what I've seen for people who, uh, when people are doing these online retreats, is the transition can be much more uh, syntonic with not ending the retreat. You're not ending the retreat. Babs opened her mouth, so I'm trying to make sure she gets it. Yeah, and you get it, Babs. It's okay. But but really, what I'm saying is, you you don't have to quit retreat. You're just relaxing the container a bit, and you're not going to sit as much, or you're not going to come to the meetings on Tuesday that we're all going to have without you, right? But in fact you can continue to use all the skills and all the knowledge and all the understanding and all the insight that's arisen and keep practicing with it 24-7. And this is the same thing, really, Tori, that I would say to people at, um, at, at Spirit Rocker here is it's the same principles wherever you are. Right, so we won't be on retreat, but pretend you're on retreat, and so stay mindful, be in the present moment, see what your you know what your experience is, and what are your reactions to your experience, and when you feel um, tense, be curious, can you relax, and just be here with whatever is happening. Like I just heard the rain start here in San Francisco. And that's going to happen whether I'm on retreat or not. And I want to take a walk because my body is tired of being indoors. And, you know, so so I see all the mind will start just like that. Oh, can I get a walk? Well, it's not too bad. How bad will it be? I can be mindful of whatever's here at any moment. And that's what I hope you take from the retreat. And you can play with outside of the formal retreat. Is that, how's that, to, to where I, is yeah. that okay? That's great, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. um, you got something for me? <laughs> no, I gotta think of something, come on. <laughs> come on, I'm really just uh, very relaxed about it. Um, I really, here's what I would, I would ask you about um, transitioning right now. Um, like, how do you work with what's difficult as you go home or a transition coming off of retreat and feeling like you want to keep the retreat, mm -hmm. right? How, how, would, how do you work with that, especially if something's difficult? Hmm. I think I I really believe in Sangha. I have a lot of Sanghas I go to, and I really, really believe in Sangha. 
And so this online avenue gives us an opportunity to be in sanghas. There are sanghas all over the place, and we can connect to all these sanghas. Even if there's, there was a time when we were, you know, if we were on the land and you leave the retreat center and you go home and you want to work with something difficult, there's no sangha around you. And so you're kind of like going into it all by yourself on your own and it makes it harder and harder to connect to it. But part of what enables us to work on difficulty that many of you have expressed in the, in the, the small groups is because there's a sangha and we're all kind of working on it together. And so for me, if you're wanting to continue to work through some difficult things, you'll need a sangha to be able to practice with so that there's a sense that you're practicing with others and you're not alone. You know, and uh, one way that really supports us, there are some advantages to being online like this. Because uh, in a um, mm-hmm. online, you have the video and you have the recording, the video and the the audio and everything of each one of the meditations. And we are memory driven beings, so if you listen to the morning instructions, you're going to come right back to this moment here. You're going to come right back to where we are, and so there's a way in which you can use those morning instructions as a way to help frame the day. And whatever that difficulty is, you're going to learn to frame it in relation to the practice, the same way we've been doing every day. We framed everything in relationship to some instruction, some practice, some one of the four satipatthanas. And then we start looking at it from these different satipatthanas. So that problem or that difficulty may have showed up, you know, on last Saturday. But you've kind of looked at it from these different prisms uh, with each day unfolding with a new instruction. And we can see it more clearly when we see it kind of from different doorways. So I think that's what I, I think it's really Sangha, either the felt sense of Sangha because you're connected to our uh, the recordings that we have or a felt sense of sangha because you're connected to a sangha online or a sangha that you can connect to that you stay with and you and you, you don't ever take on difficulty in the Dhamma alone. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> give me this little chat. <laughs> Anyway, so that's what I, I think. I just passed on a chat. I passed on. It wasn't my chat. Oh, somebody sent it to you. Somebody, somebody sent it to me. Terry handed some. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> that that that's what I think. Uh, I do I do want to add one more little bit in here. You know. One of the reasons why we have to stay connected at Sangha is because when we go home, facing difficulty in Dhamma is not the thing we're going to lean into. 
We're going to lean into the pleasurable part of practice. That's what we're going to really want to connect to. But it's the difficulties that really liberate our minds. And so part of getting a sangha and part of working on the difficulties is because we can keep the path of liberation alive even when we go home. And Dhamma does not fall into just the thing that keeps me together so I can get through my days. It actually continues your liberation. You want my comment on that? Yeah, what's your, yeah. So, so what I would say is that you're describing the Four Noble Truths. Yeah. That there's suffering, there's causes suffering, and there's an end to suffering. And you don't get to the end without the suffering. That's right. Right. And so really the, the uh, appreciation of the difficult, it doesn't mean we like it, but it's part of the deal that leads to freedom. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's what I'm pointing to. Yeah, no, beautiful. Yeah. So do you know, since we've turned a little bit here towards the Four Noble Truths a little, mm-hmm. um, there is something, I mean, there is something about going through struggles because we're not together like we used to be. And there is something about going through struggles by ourselves so what what motivates you, I guess is what I want to say, what motivates you or how do you stay with your connection to the Dhamma in the midst of struggles? When you're alone is really what I'm pointing to, when it's just you. What else is there? <laughs> well, you know... I, mean, I guess yeah. I'm pointing this is because when you had your accident, uh-huh. you had to connect to the Dhamma yourself. You know, you had to find it. Well, it stayed with you, but I'm saying... Well, but no, no. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a really... If you're talking personally about me, that's a really interesting um, aspect of, of my, the experience because that was some deep, serious dukkha. And... Um, and uh, I didn't feel connected to the Dharma at all, particularly. But the Dharma didn't leave me. Yes. Right? And so that's uh, something else that I think is really important for people to know. And I didn't know that in the same way until I had the accident. And and even when I didn't know how to meditate, it didn't matter. The Dharma was still here. And the one thing, it's, a, it's actually a funny um, uh, uh, a funny um, uh, thing that people tell me, like when I was in the hospital and they couldn't tell, you know, and I didn't have a brain anymore and they kept trying to see what did I know and what didn't I know, right? Did I know who I was? Or, or people would come in they, and the doctors would say, do you know who this is, Eugene? And stuff, and and the and one of the questions they would ask me is, "Do you know where you are?" And I would say, "Yes, I'm here." And, but that's all I knew. I didn't know where the hell I was or what hospital I was in. And even still, I don't have good memory of the three different hospitals I was in over those first five weeks, 
because I wasn't there, but I was here. And that was really, and I did, there were a couple other things. And so it's like, who knows what that is, right? Who knows? It's, we keep thinking we're doing the Dharma. And I think we do what we do, but the Dharma does what it does. And that's more, that's more expansive than how we usually see reality. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question. Yep. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll just throw out some questions for you. Um, what do you um, what What do you love about retreat when it ends? <laughs> no, no. I mean, what, what do you love? <laughs> you You can say anything to it, but, but what do you love when you go home about retreat? <laughs> I think I know what you were going to say. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, I don't have to meditate all day. So there's this, like that, this, this energy about it. But the, I think the thing when, if, if you're saying, what do I look back on about retreat when I get home? Yeah, but also what do you love when you get home that you've taken from That I've been on retreat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's better. Yeah. And I think it is uh, probably the best kind of way to say it is retreat, extended practice helps me remember that I can do this practice. Let's say it like that. That I don't, it's almost like what you're pointing to, Eugene, about I don't, um, I don't necessarily uh you weren't doing the dhamma the dhamma was doing you and retreat practice reminds me that the dhamma is the one that does the practice not me cuz many of the things that i encounter on retreat if i encountered them at home i would have doubt around it but when i have it on retreat and i can live through it and i can see it and i can come out on the other end it just, I think, uh, reinforces over the years. It has reinforced and reinforced and reinforced that I can, in fact, do this practice. Mm. It's a little different now than it was when I started practice. Now you can have an app, you can listen to a guided meditation. But when I started, there was just, you know, find your breath. There was just, the instructions on, you know, uh, you can go to a, you could listen to a teacher, but when you got home, you had to somehow believe that coming back to the breath was actually a worthy thing and that you really weren't crazy. And so there was this constant questioning the, the validity or the truth of what I was doing, because everyone in my world was no one was going to do this. And it just seemed crazy, like it's not even real. But then I would go on retreat and there would be all these other people doing this and I'm practicing this and I'm beginning to get a sense that there is something to this. There is something that's happening. And so that's probably 
confidence, I would say, and trusting in the truth of the Dhamma began to become stronger and stronger and stronger as you go on retreats. And, and then the longer the retreat, the more you see just how much Dhamma is really its own engine. And it's not me having to do it. So that's what I'd say is. Great, great. I hear, again, I hear, your, I hear your faith. Yeah, faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah, I would say I have strong, faithful uh, practitioner mm-hmm. um, in that way. Um, so let's think about something else, you know, because... Okay, I'm going to read the, the, the chat that I sent you, because okay. we started with that earlier. Yeah. Pedagogy. Yeah. And so Terry Hannon looked it up and wrote that uh, the dictionary says pedagogy is the art science profession of teaching, especially education. And the program where I met Tuere was her being trained as a community Dharma leader, as a community teacher. Mm-hmm. And so we were teaching people how to teach the Dharma. And that's what it meant about we're going to teach, we're going to give you pedagogy of the Dharma. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a lot. I mean, it was, yeah, that was definitely one of those moments in time that set in motion who I ultimately became. But mm-hmm. So one thing I, I'd like to kind of maybe share, we thought we'd uh, talk for about uh, 10 more minutes or so and then see if anybody had any questions, if you had questions about how to bring this home in your own life circumstances. But one other thing that I uh, question is, for you, Eugene, uh, here together in this Sangha, it all feels right. You know, I can we can say almost anything to each other and it feels like, oh yeah, I understand what you're saying. But when this that is our sangha becomes uh, falls apart and it is no more the world that we live around isn't necessarily like this it doesn't have the same uh context and so um when you go away to retreat and you come home people want to know how your retreat was and so you can kind of frame it as oh this is the way it was but when you're just no more, you know, you were and now you're not. How do you, what do you think some of the difficulties would be in dealing with uh, this, you, your world is different having spent these 12 days, but the world you're stepping back into may be exactly the same. Well, I would, I would uh, refine that a little bit. The world's never exactly the same anyways, but it may not, it may not be aware of your, the world you've all ever, we all have been in for the last mm-hmm. 12 days. And so here, this is really a classic Eugene Cash teaching with, which Tuari's heard before, which is when people ask you how the retreat was, tell them it was good. That's all. And if they really want to know more, then you can see if they really want to know more. But otherwise, they just want to know that you're, you're okay. It wasn't too weird a cult you went off with and things like that. 
And so just good is a great answer to keep it simple and honest, because it was good even if it was up or down or whatever. And um, they just want to know that you're okay, because you've done this weird thing called a retreat. And so that's the the most important thing, I think, to first normalize what happened. And that is also part of how to make the transition you're pointing to, is how do you relate to the world that may not be able to relate to you? Mm-hmm. Right? And so yeah. nor- normalizing what you did is really helpful. And so, you know, don't try to make everybody into a Buddhist if you, you know, or, or a Buddha. Because most people, that's not what they're interested in, although more than they used to be. And, um, and, and really, so um, if people ask you questions, uh, give them some answers. You know, what did you do? Oh, we sat and walked, and, and we just were, were trying to hang out in the present moment. Or we were trying to learn how to relax here without doing a lot, right? But just being relaxed. And even relax is a word people generally like to hear. They can relate to that. Everybody thinks they want to relax. And, you know, they don't want to relax as deeply as sitting for 10 or 12 hours a day and things. But, and so that, those are the kind of ways that I would work with it is just to, is to normalize it and, and uh, be very simple with it. You know, and it's a, you know, and, and, you know, what did it do? You could say, oh, what did you learn? Here's the other thing I say very often. Don't tell them the most profound thing you learned as soon as you get out of treat. Don't do that. You don't want to, it's not helpful for them generally, and it's not helpful for you because whatever profound has happened is still living in you, and you want to let it metabolize and the same is true about don't tell them the worst thing that happened because yeah. that's also metabolizing. And we want to let it metabolize rather than make a story about it. And so that's a little bit how I think of it is just normalize it and don't make stories about it, especially yeah. if people won't be able to understand. And then usually there's a few people who really want to know, well, what happens or what how did it impact you or did it did it affect you in a good way or a bad way or and then you might tell them more but I would still be very um, discreet for a while about how much you say and some things I never say about what happened for me on retreat because they're too private on a certain level they're just even some of the deepest things that ever happened that's not a story Right, and so I don't want to just. So there's a different um, respect I pay to the Dharma and to the person I'm relating to. Is that? Yeah, I I think you're pointing to something, Eugene. Also, is that I didn't think about this originally, but you know, there, I think we're all very sensitive. We don't necessarily know that, but we're very sensitive. And, and we've tuned into right now. yes, right yeah. now. Yeah. We've tuned into this uh, sensitivity level. All of us together have kind of tuned it, and there can be an expectation. I think more so when you transition from a home online retreat, 
then maybe uh, if you leave a retreat center, that the world you're in, you don't realize that you're thinking the world is different, meaning that you're feeling different, so you're expecting the world to be different. And so when people react or respond in their habitual ways, and you either respond in your habitual way like you usually do, and now you're mad because it's like their fault, or you don't respond and you don't understand why they're responding, that kind of sensitivity we have to be prepared for and neutralize it. It's, it's, it's beginning to see that even though you're in the same house, so to speak, you are still in transition, which mm-hmm. means that don't be surprised if you can't tolerate things that you could tolerate before the retreat or if you find yourself being overly irritable and you don't understand why today on Monday I'm all irritable, but, you know, I was in the same house with this person two days ago and I wasn't. How come I'm so irritable now? And some of that is just because you don't have this tuning that we have right now. And when that tuning goes away, then you might notice uh, just how different uh, this energy is from the rest of our everyday life. And so, yeah, and what you're pointing to, Tori, is is in all different kinds of sensitivities, right? You can be feel very tender or very uh, irritable, as you're saying, mm-hmm. but also um, um, very surprised or very just sensitive on every level because you've been away even though you haven't been away yeah even like screens like we're used to this kind of a screen but if you haven't watched any television watching television it moves much quicker then this Zoom thing moves. I mean, we've we've even narrowed it down to if you're going to move, turn off your video so that there's hardly any movement. It's not very jarring. And then if you go to watch TV, it'll be very jarring. It's very different. The level of noise it depends, and everything. It depends what you watch. Yeah. You know, oh, okay, um, maybe maybe this is the kinds of things that I watch. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> jarring. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.